Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you are listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and he's titled it, An Ultimate Act of Worship. So thank you for listening. Wow, what a great God. Hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, please take them, open up to the book of Romans, find chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at the first two verses in chapter 12. Last week, we kind of gave you a little bit of preview into verse 1 of Romans 12. But if you're new here, what we've been doing is, verse by verse, working our way through the book of Romans uh, to the tune now of like 44 weeks. And uh, we have roughly 20 weeks left. And uh, then we're going to go, uh, depending on how that hits, what time. We will, no later than January, we will do something that I've never done. I've never systematically, verse by verse, preached through the Gospel of John. And I'm very excited about that. And I've kind of laid that out right now. It looks like it'll be anywhere from 80 to 90 sermons. Uh, but don't hold me to that. Because, you know, it tends to expand when we get in the middle of that. But we're in Romans, the title of the series is A Life Transformation, and over and over again, in many different ways, the writer of this book, Paul, is saying that it is impossible to have Jesus Christ in your life and not be changed. That a transformation is going to take place. We would say no change, no Christ. That when Jesus comes in, he radically does a work in inside your life. And so today our prayer is that if there has never been a life transformation, that you would surrender to the very transformer, King Jesus. Now, I believe the problem with a lot of folks, and particularly church people, is that so many of them are only involved in religion and merely are participating in church work. Maybe you heard the conversation that took place, and you probably have, but took place in a barnyard many years ago between a hen and a pig. And they were talking about the problem with world hunger. And so they were talking about how, what can we do to serve, what can we do to help people that are hungry across the world. And so the hen said, I've come up with a great idea. Here's what I propose. I propose to help hungry people that every morning we offer them a breakfast of eggs and ham. <laughs> to which the pig said, hang on just a second. For you, that only involve, well, that only includes involvement. For me, it is total commitment. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about total commitment. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the church, and I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about all churches that have a hen-type commitment, which is not even a commitment at all. They're highly involved or they're a little involved. They give a little here and they do a little there and all that kind of stuff. But the passage that we're going to read, these two verses, it's talking about a pig kind of commitment. That you give it all. That you give it all. So with that being said, let's look at Romans chapter 12. 
Beginning in verse 1, just two verses, he says, I beseech you therefore. Basically, he's saying, I plead with you, I beg you, you know, I encourage you, I command you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There are two sides to this transaction that we've just read about in these two verses. The first side is verse 1, and it's the positive side. Verse 1 is telling us what we ought to be doing as people who are followers of Christ. Verse 2 is the negative side. It says what we should not be doing. Would it make you feel better if I told you we're only going to look at the positive today? No, we're going to look at both. We're going to look at both. We're going to look at the positive and we're going to look at the negative side because they both come together to help us understand or to help us have a life that is truly transformed by Jesus Christ. So first of all, I tell you, and we'll spend most of our time on this one, but let's look at the positive side. Let's look at what we are supposed to do as our lives are transformed. First of all, we make a sacrifice to God. And you may be thinking when you hear the word sacrifice, this is going to cost me something. <laughs> sacrifice, I don't really like that word because usually in a Baptist church, when a preacher stands up and talks about sacrifice, it hurts my bank account. Friend, listen to me. We're talking much more than just money. We're not talking today about you sacrificing something. We're talking about you sacrificing you. You. So, I want you to notice four attributes of this living sacrifice that he calls us to. The first attribute is, it is permanent. It's a permanent kind of sacrifice. Matter of fact, look at verse 1 again. Look at what he says in verse 1. He says, by the mercies of God, you present, present your bodies. Now, let's focus on that word present there. Because it's the very same word that was used when an Old Testament priest was involved in the Jewish sacrificial system. What they would do is, he would take that lamb, he would take a goat, he would take an ox, and he would go and lay that animal down on the altar, and then he would take out a very sharp knife, he would point it and stick it to the throat of that animal, he would sever the jugular vein until the blood poured out. He would then collect the blood and they would use every part of that sacrifice as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And then they would roast it, they would barbecue it, and that was part of the Jewish sacrificial system. The very same word that is used for the priest who would present an animal as a sacrifice is the same that is used right here. Except, guys, listen to me. He's not saying, present an ox, present a lamb, present a goat. What are you saying? What's he saying? He's saying, present you. Present yourself. Now, 
I'll be honest with you, when I read this and studied this, I'm like, to me it'd make a whole lot more sense if it said this, present yourself on Monday and then present yourself as a sacrifice on Tuesday and then present yourself as a sacrifice on Wednesday. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, it makes sense. I'm going to present myself right day after day. I'm going to present myself six, seven times a week. I'm going to present myself on Sunday as a sacrifice so it it really it ought to read present yourself and present yourself and present yourself but it doesn't say that he's talking about a once and for all transaction it's a one-time thing here. It's not something you do repeatedly. It is the word there present. It is peristasis. It means one time. That you present your body as a sacrifice one time. It is a one-time transaction. Let me illustrate it. The church that I pastored in Little Rock before I came here, there was a young lady in our church who desperately needed a kidney transplant. If she did not receive a kidney transplant, she was not going to live. Do you know what her mother did? Her mother gave her one of her kidneys. They took her mother and her into the hospital, right? And the mother willingly gave her one of her kidneys, and the reality is it saved her life. That she's alive today because her mother gave her, sacrificed one of her own kidneys to her daughter, and she did not reject it, she accepted it, her body did, and so she is living today because her mother gave. But do you know what the mother did not do? The mother did not say, hey, listen, I'm going to let them take my kidney today, and I'm going to give you my kidney today. And then she wakes up the next morning and says, hey, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and give you my kidney again today. And then next week, hey, by the way, just want you to know it's been a week, but I'm going to go ahead and give you my kidney this week. And you can have my kidney next week. And then a couple of months go by. And by the way, I just want you to know, you can have my, I'm going to give it to you again. You can have it again. You can keep my kidney. No, why? Because it was a once and for all transaction. And that's what the Bible is saying right here. The Bible says that you and I should offer ourselves to God as a sacrifice. And it's something you do one time. Why? Because it is a total surrender. Remember what I told you when we were singing? Hey, don't sing it unless you mean it. You can have it all, Lord. The reality is there are some of you that should have been singing. You can have it most. Most of it, Lord. You can have some of it, Lord. You can have 99.9% of it, Lord. No, that's not what he says. You have it all. I think one of the problems that we have in the church today is there are people that are so confused about this surrender, about this sacrifice, about this once and for all dedication. They don't understand what that word means. That's the reason why so often we see within the church people that are saying, well, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to keep on rededicating and rededicating and continually rededicate myself. Friend, if that is the path that you follow, you do not understand what the dedication is that he is speaking of in chapter or in verse 1 of Romans 12. It is a once and for all transaction. 
I had a lady in a church that I pastored one time. As soon as I would move into the invitation, and we'll do it here, right? Where we say, now, through the Holy Spirit of God, take what the Bible has revealed to us, and I'm going to lay it over my life, and now how am I to respond to what God has revealed to me about himself? Can I tell you, every time you study the Bible, that ought to be your attitude. What do I do now? How do I respond now? The Bible does not invite us to respond. The Bible compels us to respond. And we would move into an invitation and like she was shot out of a cannon almost every Sunday would come forward and would say, Brother Stephen, I just want you to know I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. And I would say, well, God bless. And she'd turn and she'd walk back. Next service, boom, I just want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I know some folks that have worn their own little path in the aisle of the carpet during the invitation time coming saying, I want to rededicate, I want to rededicate, I want to rededicate. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a once and for all dedication. I surrender. I give it all up. When I came here on our decision cards, we had, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. And one of the first things that I did as the pastor of this church is, I said, I want you to take that off that card. Because we're not interested in rededications. The Bible calls us to dedication. It's awful quiet in here except for a few. I'll be honest with you, first service was louder than y'all today. Oh, you backslidden. Maybe you need to rededicate. No, no, I I give up, right? I surrender it all. Some of you say, I don't like that kind of preaching. It's going to get worse. Mm. Now, there are times that you reaffirm your commitment to Jesus Christ. But guys, listen to me, this this idea of continually rededicating, 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 it goes against what it is saying. It is saying once and for all, God, here I am, I surrender. Here you go. It's not my life. It's your life. I give it to you. And so, it's a permanent sacrifice. Can I just ask you today, have you done that? Have you done that? Ask that question in the first service during the invitation. Young man that we've seen grow up in this church came forward with his son that we just baptized a few months ago. And here's what he said. I have never surrendered total control of my life to Jesus Christ. And today, with my son, his six-year-old son that he brought holding with him, he said, today, I want him to see I'm surrendering once and for all. It's permanent, but it's also personal. I told you it's going to get worse. Present whose body? Notice he doesn't say present your spouse's body. Present your child's body, present your friend's body, present your body. See, see, he's talking to us individually here. I mean, this group of believers that we call Highland Park Baptist Church, we're a body of believers, and of course, we offer ourselves to God, but that's not what he is talking about here. The body of believers, he's talking about us individually, right? Our bodies, one-on-one, that it is something that you do. You offer your body, yourself, to him. Do you know what God wants from you? You. That's what he wants. You. 
He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your talents. He wants you. And I'd like to add, when he has you, all those others come along with it. Sometimes the reason we don't like the idea about sacrifice is because anytime we make a sacrifice, it costs us something. And you know, when you start talking about sacrifice and you start talking about giving something up and a cost involved, that's not really good for the bottom line when it comes to the modern day American cultural Christianity church. Because what's the most important thing for the American cultural church? It's putting tails in seats. We got to fill this place up so we can fill this place up so we can fill it up again. We look around and we make judgment calls on churches and how successful they are and how faithful they are on how many tails are in seats. Friend, hear me. We have so commercialized the church that we don't even talk about sacrifice. And instead... Instead of us sitting there and saying, what can I give? It's what can I get? Well, what, what, what can I get? Now tell me, if I come to that church, what am I going to get out of it? What are my kids going to get out of it? How are we going to be ministered to? How are we going to be served? How, 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 how's it going to make a difference in our lives? You know, we want to get, 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 get. Friends, hear me. This is counter cultural to everything that we know because what he is saying here is it's not about getting it's about giving giving i have folks i mean very few but you've probably heard this as well they'll sit there and they'll say i'll tell you the reason why we don't go to church anymore usually after they say well because of covid and you know, all the sickness and people sitting close together in church. Now, you're standing about 20 deep in the line at Walmart when you're having this conversation. <laughs> or here's what they say, we just got out of the habit. Now, I'm going to tell you, whenever somebody makes that comment, here's what that conveys to me. He didn't call you to a habit, he called you to a relationship. You're like, well, you can have a relationship with Jesus and not be a part of a church. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's a miserable relationship. He wants you to be a part of the church. Why? Because he loves the church. Well, the reason why we don't go to church anymore is because we don't get anything out of it. Yeah, you know, we went down there and the, the sermon just didn't really get anything out. And let me just take a little sidebar. Can I do that? I mean, you're not going to get out early. Might as well. We started late, I just remind you of that. First service was so vocal, got me so worked up, my goodness. Sidebar is this. Please don't be one of those that is guilty of saying this. Well, the reason why we don't go to that church anymore is because we weren't being fed. Mm. Let's talk about being fed. Let's say that I'm at my house, and I'm sitting in my house, and I'm like, man, I really am hungry. Man, I'm really hungry. I'm going to sit here until somebody feeds me something. Hey, honey, I'm hungry. You know where the food is? 
It's crazy in my house. You can go, there's this door right there in the kitchen. And you open the door and there's this closet that has all this food. If I don't want that, I go to the refrigerator. I open the refrigerator. If there's nothing in the refrigerator, guess what? I can get in my truck. And I can drive just about anywhere I want to because I'm hungry and I'm going to feed myself. Don't be one of those that shows your spiritual immaturity by saying the reason why we left that church is because we weren't being fed. Hello, you know where the food is. If you're hungry, go get a bite. No, no, it kind of builds into this. Well, what can I get out of this? What, what am I going to receive? How can I be blessed out of this? And one of the biggest problems in the churches today is about getting and getting and getting and getting, and it's about giving and giving. You do not come to church to receive something. You come to give something. And I have found that if you give something, you'll generally receive something out of it. Mm. I heard a story about a family who visited a church and afterwards they were in the car and they were driving home and the dad said, you know what, I didn't like that sermon at all. He was way too loud. It was way too long. He was way too boring. Now, they had not come to Highland Park, give you. And, and I didn't like the sermon at all. And then the wife spoke up and the wife said, you know what, I didn't like the music. The music was too loud. They were singing new songs that I'd never heard before. Matter of fact, the bass player was offbeat. It wasn't good at all. And then the husband said, besides that, I was hot. And she said, well, I was freezing to death. And then all of a sudden their teenage daughter spoke up and said, you know, I noticed people there were not very friendly and the coffee from the coffee bar was bitter. And the son who was sitting in the back seat, who was hearing it all, who remembered when they passed the offering plate, spoke up and he said, well, dad, you got to admit, pretty good show for a dollar. You usually receive out of something what you put into it. It's permanent, it's personal, but then third, it's physical. Present your what? Your bodies. It makes no sense to me. Present your bodies. If you were here last week, you know I told you, kind of a little preview. Don't you expect it to say, okay, present your soul to God. Present your spirit to God. Or, or maybe, you know, in the world we live in, present your heart to God. But that's not what it says. Offer your bodies to God. My grandmother, who I don't know, I don't think she had more than a fourth or fifth grade education, she used to make a comment that went like this. We can either offer our bodies to sin or we can offer our bodies to God. Some wise words. You guys remember when we were back in Romans 6 about six months ago? Sure you do. You memorized it. You remember that? No, you didn't. Romans 6, 6, 13. Look at the screens to help your memory. Romans 6, 13, it says this. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer your bodies to God as those who have been brought from death to life. My goodness, that's strong. From death to life. 
You were dead until Jesus, and now you have... Somebody would say it this way, apart from Jesus, there was no life. You've been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Now here, let me help you understand and make sense of this. Paul's writing to the church at Rome. And the Roman culture was just, it was filled with Greek philosophy. And Greek philosophy said this, you can do whatever you want to do with your body as long as your soul's pure, you're okay. And we're like, can you separate the two? (laughs) No. I mean, it'll be separated one day. When's that? When the soul goes to be with Jesus and we sing a sad song as we're putting your body in the ground. And so they thought, we can do whatever in the world we want to do with our bodies. And so that's the reason why Roman senators would sit there and they would go out the night before and they would be involved in all kinds of debauchery and sexual immorality and they would just get, you know, just obliterated, drunk, and then the next morning they would wake up and they would put on a fresh toga and they would go down to the Roman Senate and they would say everything is okay because their their soul's right. Their mind's right. And so that's kind of the context of what Paul is writing about here. Paul said, listen guys, when you connect your body with a prostitute, you're part of that prostitute. And that's what this whole passage is about. And that's the reason why Paul is saying God wants every single part of your body. He wants it all. There was a great Nazarene preacher by the name of Bud Robinson. And a true story happened. He was preaching on this very text one Sunday. And he was talking about sacrificing our bodies, offering our bodies unto the Lord, giving all of us unto the Lord. He gave the invitation. This woman comes walking down. Everybody in the church knew that she's the worst gossip in town. Brother Bud knew she was a notorious gossip. She walked up to him and she said, Brother Bud, I heard your message. I've read the scripture. You know, I struggle with gossip. So here's what I would like to do this morning. I would like to lay my tongue on the altar and brother bud said this he said well it's only 12 feet long do the best you can (laughs) wouldn't you have loved to been there and heard that one but god wants us to give him all hey can i just say god wants us to give him our tongues i've always found it amazing folks that say i love jesus but i cuss a little I've seen some of you with bumper stickers and t-shirts that say that. I love Jesus and I cuss a little. <laughs> that same grandmother used to say this to me. Those who use foul language, they basically are showing you they don't have wisdom to think of a better word. Do you know God wants your tongue? Well, preacher, the reason why I use the language that I use is because that's That's the way people talk where I'm from. Well, if you belong to Jesus, you've got a new hometown. Well, that's the way people I work with. That's the way they talk. And you know, I got to communicate with them. And so I use that language at work so everybody will understand what I'm saying. Do you understand, friend? You know, Jesus, God has placed you where you work so that you might be different. Gossip, I mean... 
the tongues, the mind, everything about us. He wants it all. Every single action, every single thing. And there are folks that say, well, you know what? It's my tongue. I can say what I want to do. Excuse me. Not if you've offered it to God. It's not your tongue. Well, it's my body. I can do whatever I want to do with my body. Excuse me. Not if you've offered it to God. It's not your body. And there are folks that are like, well, does God really want my body? Does God really want my body? My body's not that great. I've got lumps and I've got wrinkles and I have bad hair days and I have no hair days. And, you know, it's tired and it aches. Are you saying that God wants this body? I'm not saying it is. Yes, <laughs> He wants your body. Well, if He wants my body, I better clean it up a little bit. I need to fix it up before I'd offer it to Him. No, friend, listen to me. You'll never be able to clean it up good enough. You can't fix it up good enough. That's the reason why He says, go ahead and bring that old broken body and give it to me. I'll fix it up. I'll clean it up good enough. Again, what's the title of this series? A Life Transformation. He says, I'll even transform you. Your tongue, your mind, your thoughts, every part of you. So that people will say, well, my goodness, what happened to them? Only a, only a holy God could do that. Well, well yeah. Yeah, he gets, he gets glory. So, it's, it's permanent, it's personal, it's physical. Here's the last. It's practical. It's practical. You remember I told you the story that the priest, the priest would sit there, the priest would take an animal, and he would lay it up on the altar, and he would kill that as a sacrifice. It was part of the Jewish sacrificial system. And so, we use that as an analogy, but the reality is, it's not God saying, I want you as a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. So the question is not even today, would you be willing to die for Jesus? The question is, would you be willing to live for Jesus? Some of you guys, you can remember what happened at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. April the 20th, 1999. About 11 a.m. that morning, two teenage students entered the school and they started shooting they approached a beautiful, blonde, 17-year-old girl by the name of Cassie. Cassie was a beautiful girl, had long blonde hair all the way down to her waist. A couple of years before, she was really messed up. She had gotten involved in the occult. She had gotten involved in horoscopes and demonology and witchcraft. But do you know what happened, students? Do you know what happened? When she was 15 years old, another student invited her to go to youth camp. And she went to youth camp, and she radically was saved. Born again, forever changed. Matter of fact, just two days before these fellow students entered the school shooting, she had filmed a video for her youth group. They were going to play it that Wednesday night. And in the video, she said, I cannot imagine 
life without Jesus. This beautiful young lady was so unselfish that she had made the decision that week that she was going to have them cut all of her long hair off and she was going to donate it to one of those organizations that would make wigs for children who had lost their hair that were going through cancer treatments. They approached her with a shotgun and they asked the question, do you believe in God? Now, freeze frame for just a moment. What if that were you? You were there and they asked you, do you believe in God? And you knew, chances are, if you say, no, I don't believe in God, then physically you would be able to live. Or if you say, I do believe in God, then physically you were going to die. And so they asked her, do you believe in God? And she said, Yes, I believe. And in one split second, she was in the very arms of Jesus. Friend, listen to me. This passage of Scripture is not asking the question, are you willing to die for Jesus? Here's what I believe. I believe most, if not all of you in this room, if you were faced with a decision like that, renounce Jesus and live, most of you would probably not do that. You would not renounce Christ and your life would be taken. But I'm telling you, it's a lot harder to live for Him than it is to die for Him. And that's what he is calling us to do in this passage of Scripture. Will you live the life that God has given you? Will you live it and surrender it and give it as a sacrifice to Jesus Christ? It's another thing when we go to work in the morning and we go to school tomorrow and somebody points a temptation at us or somebody points a challenge at us. Sometimes it's harder to live for Jesus than to die for Jesus. And that's the reason why this sacrifice that he is talking about is such a practical sacrifice because it is lived out day by day by day. It is an unusual sacrifice because it's not a dead sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. So on one side, you sit there and you say, God, here I am. I offer my body to you as a sacrifice. You can have it all, Lord. You can have everything about me. It is all yours. Well, there's the other side. Look at verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How in the world do we do that? Well, we maintain separation from the world. We maintain separation from the world. Do you know that the world wants to shape you? Do you know the world is pressuring you to look like, act like, speak like everyone else? The world is trying to make us exactly the same. And when I talk about the world today, sometimes that gets a little confusing. What do you mean when you use the terminology world? It is mankind without God. That's the world. The world is the mindset that says this, I don't need God. 
I'm perfectly fine. The life that I have is my life. I don't need Him at all. But the verse says this, Do not be forced into the pattern of the world. You know what the world tries to teach you? You know what the pattern is? Look out for number one. I'm going to look out for myself, right? I'm going to take care of myself. See, the world or the devil, they're not sitting there trying to get you to disbelieve in God. The devil's not trying to get you to renounce God, to say there is no God. Instead, the devil and this mindset of the world, they're trying to get us to live for ourselves. They're not trying to get us to say there is no God. Hear this. They're trying to get us to make ourselves God. And here's how it goes. I better watch out for myself. Because if I don't watch out for myself, nobody else is going to be watching out for me. i got to promote myself, right? I've got to protect myself. I've got to get myself up where I need to be. Because if I don't do that, then nobody else is going to do that. I've got to look out for number one. And can I just say, friend, that is exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches that the Christian life is supposed to be. The Christian life is a life of surrender. The Christian life is a life of service. The Christian life is a life where you give yourself a away to God and you give yourself away to others that's the Christian life instead of thinking how's this going to affect me some of you are thinking right now well how's it going to affect me if we don't get out of here in time how's it going to affect me if you know the Methodist church they beat us to the restaurant they're already there friend They're already there. Lord willing, we'll beat the Pentecostals, but the Methodists are already there. It's like they have a tunnel built underneath their church. Boom! There it is. (laughs) How's this going to affect me? Can Can I tell you the reason why I know some of you have that kind of attitude? Because when we move to the invitation, you run out of here to be the first to get in your car, to grab your kid from the nursery, to get in your car, and to get out of here and get home. Hello. There have been times we move for an invitation and the staff and I are up here and we're like, oh my goodness, I hope we got enough counselors. People are about to flood to the altar. No, they're coming down and they're going out the vomitoriums because they're like, I backed my car into the parking spot. I'm beating everybody out of here. I'm gone. How's it going to affect me? Hey, instead, how about you stay and you pray and how about you celebrate when some old lost sinner walks forward and says, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. I give up. I I, I turn it over to Him. And then you sit there and say, praise God, He still does miracles today. It'll be all right if I'm 15 minutes late getting out of the parking lot. No, it's not about, it's not about me. The surrendered Christian life is not saying, what can I get out of this? The surrendered Christian life, first and foremost, is this. How can God get glory through this? How can God get glory through the fact that I go to the school that I go to? How can God get glory for the fact that I work where I work, that I live in the neighborhood that I live in, that I'm married to the person that I'm married to, that I go where I go? The very fact that I have a mouth and I can use it to produce words. How can God get glory through that? 
He's given me feet to go. How can he get glory through these old feet? He's coaching a ball game the other night. He said he didn't do it on purpose, but I'm beginning to doubt this. Shortstop from the other team, he was taking taking some warm-up throws, and he nails me right in the back of the leg. I turned around, and I said, who did that? And they all start pointing at everybody else. I had to limp back to the dugout. Or for listen to me, it radically transforms everything. How's God going to get glory? Through this. How's God going to get glory? Through the house that I have. How's God going to get glory? Through the car that I drive. How's God going to get glory? Through, through the resources that I have. How is God going to get There are so many of you that have been uh, gifted amazingly with talents. And instead of you sitting there asking, how can God get glory through this? You're like, what am I going to get out of this? Mm. Mm. No, you and I are supposed to be different. It's where the word holy comes into being. Holy and acceptable to God. And there's a lot of people who don't understand what holiness is. There's a holiness movement that goes on today that goes something like this. Some folks will sit there and say, well, you know, if you're really holy, then ladies, you don't wear makeup. And ladies, you don't wear pants. If you're really, really holy, you don't go to the movies. If you're really, really holy, you don't play cards. If you're really, really holy, then you sell your TV. My goodness, where would we watch college football if we sold our TVs? We would have to make friends with somebody that's not holy. (laughs) Maybe an Alabama fan. I thought about that. I, I really, that went through my mind. Don't say it. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> to God be the glory. <laughs> now, hey, hey, holiness doesn't mean you do or you don't do. Holiness means this. You're different. You're different. The way you think and the way you approach life, you're different. A while back, this happened. There was a parade, and there was a marching band in the parade, and uh, they were watching this marching band, and they were commentating about it on TV and all that kind of stuff. And they were noticing that there was one member of the band that was not in sequence with everyone else. Literally, he was out of step from the rest of the band. And they even commented about it on TV. And then they got this real, real tight a camera shot of him, and lo and behold, he's marching with earbuds in. And kind of find out he was listening to a different song. He was marching to the beat of a different song. And that's the reason why he was offbeat with everyone else. Friend, listen to me. Holiness means this. I'm marching to the beat of a different drummer. Not the world's drummer, right? I'm marching to the beat of Christ. It changes the way I look at things. It changes the way that I use things. It changes every single aspect about me. No, we're listening to this different pace of life and the world will point their finger at us and here's what the world will say. You guys are weird. You guys are strange. You guys are peculiar. And you'll say, thank you very much. 
Yeah, that's Jesus. And the Bible says the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The world wants to change you. Here's the last one. God wants to God wants to change you. The world wants to shape you. God wants to change you. Look what it says in verse 2. In verse 2 it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It does not say that you change yourself. It says that God changes you. When God changes you, you start thinking differently. That God wants to take every single one of us and God wants to change us into a different kind of person who acts differently and thinks differently. And then we sit there and we say, because we're so self-consumed, well, what's my job in all all this repent what is what does repent mean repent means that you have a change of mind that leads to a change in conduct it means again i have repented i start to look at things differently things that i used to like i don't like anymore things that i used to give importance to now i realize are not that important it is only the things of god that are of the utmost importance Some of you will find this hard to believe. Others of you will say, no, that's right in your wheelhouse, Pastor. When I was in the first grade, I had a reputation in my school. And the reputation was absolutely true. And it was that I was an outstanding kickball player. You guys remember kickball? I think they even have a kickball league that our church has a team. Somebody had said something not too long ago to me, Pastor, why don't you come out and play on the church kickball team? I'm like, that wouldn't be fair. I'm a world-class kickball player, right? At the end of first grade, seriously, I can remember it just like it was, well, not yesterday, maybe last week, but I already made the decision that when I grew up, I was going to be a professional kickball player. I would always be the first one chosen, that just about every time, every pitch, you know, I would kick it and it would be a home run almost every pitch. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what, this is how God has gifted me, this is the best thing I've got going, I'm going to be in the National Kickball League when I get old. And then a strange thing happened the summer between my first and second grade year. I'm sitting there, I'm watching the television. My dad, who is still to this day a St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, I am, my son is, anybody who's smart is. So I've offended the Braves, I've offended Bama. Hang on, I got 10 minutes, I'm going to get you before I'm done. And something happened. There was a guy by the name of Ted Simmons comes up to the plate, takes a bat, they throw a ball, and he hits it about 450 feet, which is a shot. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. The crowd went crazy. And between my first and second grade year, all of a sudden, I'm like, nope, kickball's not my future. It's going to be baseball. That's it. Baseball is much more important than kickball. It's funny. It makes no sense. But it changed the way I view life. Because now all of a sudden, I've been exposed to something new. All of a sudden now, I'm like, I didn't even realize this thing existed. 
Wow, this is much more important to me. See, that's what he is saying right here. He is saying, listen, God wants to do a transformation through you. It only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to surrender, right? You need to, you need to sacrifice your body. Give it to him, and he'll come in, and he'll first change the way that you think because you've repented of the old, and now you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know this world with Jesus existed. Wow! Wow, look at this! This is unbelievable! You're telling me He'll forgive me of my sins? You're telling me that He'll give me life? Are you telling me now I have purpose in this world and beyond this world? Are you telling me that He'll change me to become like Him? Are you serious? And that's exactly what He's just said. Yeah, he'll transform you. Your soul, your heart, your mind, your, your, your all. And guys, that's the story of the Christian life. Once you discover the life that Jesus has for you, you're going to say about your past, about the way the world does it, you're going to say, forget about that. I want to be the person that Jesus Christ wants me to be. And that's the reason why you heard me harp earlier on this idea of rededicating, of rededicating, of rededicating. Please hear me. You will find great peace in your heart and in your life when you quit following the model of rededicating, rededicating, and rededicating and do like that young dad did in our first service and say, you know what, it's about time that I just say I give it up once and for all. Here you go, Lord. I don't have much, but this is all I got. And I give it to you. Now do whatever you want to do with it. And that is the Christian life. Have you ever done that? Without reservation. Without holding anything back. I just give it to you. That's what he desires of you today. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www. Dot Highland and it's H I L A N D Park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email info at highlandpark.org if you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase God bless you guys thank you for listening